Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Tuesday, October 9th, 2021. Stand up for your country. So big reaction to the Trump interview last night, as I knew there would be. Um, We'll read some of the letters at the end of the broadcast today, and I'm going to have a follow up tomorrow uh, because I get a lot of uh, letters about my question to uh, the 45th president, why he didn't fire Milley and Fauci. So, um, you know, we delve into that a little bit. We'll have that for you tomorrow. Today, President Biden's schedule, he had two meetings, one at two, one at four this afternoon um, with progressives and moderates in the Democratic Party to try to get his spending spree passed. Uh, he can't get it done. So Misaki, his uh, propaganda minister, um, used the word urgency three times today in her opening remarks. It is urgent for President Biden. He's, he looks like he's just ineffective. I think that's the kindest word. Now, uh, he'll also meet alone with uh, Kirsten Cinema, the Democratic Senator from Arizona, along with Joe Manchin from West Virginia, is holding up the big kahuna, $3.5 trillion. That's not going to happen, by the way. So it'll be 218 when it gets around to being passed, if it's ever passed. I think it will be, um, but it's going to take a while. In the meantime, uh, the folks are not looking at President Biden with much favor. Rasmussen Daily Tracking Poll, 42% approve of his job performance, 56% disapprove. That's been steady now this week. Um, but it's going to go down uh, when the supply chain problems kick in, which they will shortly, and you are not able to buy what you want to buy. You know, in America, we're a very lucky country. We have everything. Let's go to Trader Joe's or something, Costco. We have everything. Well, we're not going to have everything because of the uh, supply chain problems, which can be laid right at the doorstep of one Pete Buttigieg. Uh, I'm not going to hammer him, but say he's not, he's not been the greatest public official so far. So President Biden's got to get out in front of all this or try. He's going to do another town hall, his favorite place, CNN, which is his network, Anderson Cooper, Thursday night, 8 p.m., uh, Baltimore, 90 Minutes. Uh, he's going to travel to Pittsburgh. He loves Pittsburgh. Not a far trip. And Biden will talk, uh, I guess, tomorrow on the economic agenda. So the White House knows they're in trouble. They know. And you can reverse political trouble. Just because you're in it now in October 2021 doesn't mean you're going to be in it now October 2022 and the midterms are coming up. But they know that they're slipping. Um, before we get to our guest, one of the best political analysts in the world, uh, I want to tell you about Colin Powell. So you all know he passed away from uh, COVID combined with his blood cancer. Uh, some idiots made a vaccination statement out of that. That was just ridiculous. Um, had nothing to do with the vaccination. When you have blood cancer, you don't have an immune system. All right. And that's what happened there. So, um, I was watching a little bit of the Powell coverage. First of all, I, I knew him a little bit. I uh, sat next to him on a plane first class one time. We had a pretty interesting conversation. He, he wasn't a big fan of mine, um, but he was civil. Uh, that was before the Iraq war. Um, and, and I, you know, I subsequently uh, was on a charitable 
not a board, but an organization called Best Friends Foundation in Washington, D.C. that helps inner city kids. And he was a part of that. And so I got to see him in a few events there. I never um, had anything against Colin Powell. I know some people didn't like his political posture. He hated Donald Trump. Hey, it's his right as an American. I, I don't know, beef with that. You don't like Donald Trump, you don't like Donald Trump. You don't like Joe Biden, you don't like Joe Biden. It's up to you. But um, I was always a little disappointed in General Powell because he did not explain what the deuce happened in the weapons of mass destruction Saddam Hussein situation. So from my point of view as a journalist, I trusted Colin Powell, who was then Secretary of State under George W. Bush, when he told me with certainty that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. I believe that. You remember that whole thing in front of the United Nations. So then my analysis was skewed that way. So you got this insane dictator. He could hand this off to anybody he wanted. And uh, he won't let UN inspectors in. So we got to take him out, which we did. But then the Iraq war descended into chaos and thousands of American military were killed or maimed. And that's how the independence fund. I made up for it a little bit by raising $30 million for the independencefund.org that helps the severely injured from Iraq and Afghanistan. But I still, it's still stuck in my mind. You know, why didn't you explain it once you were out of government? General Powell, explain it. Never did. Now, the reason he didn't is because he respected the chain of command of President Bush, uh, Defense Secretary Cheney, and all of that. But when you're out and it's in the past and it's history, you can't explain. So anyway, I knew this was going to happen on MSNBC, which is just vile. And you all know it. I mean, there's no debate about it. So they used Powell's death to bash Trump. Roll the tape. Well, if you imagine you're a lifelong soldier, you fought in Vietnam, you commanded, you had other people's lives in your hands, you commanded uh, Panama, you commanded the first Gulf War, you were standing uh, at, on duty as the Berlin Wall comes down. Nuclear Armageddon had been an ambient force, the possibility of it, your entire military career. The rule of law mattered. Civilian control of the military mattered. The oath you swore was to the Constitution, not to a particular president or a particular person or a particular party. And then you're sitting there in McLean in retirement and you're watching everything you fought for be assaulted, led by a lying, um, defeated American president who's seeking to be a dictator. So Meacham is using Powell's death to viciously attack the 45th president. Doesn't get any lower than that. It doesn't. That's it. President Biden had this to say about General Powell. Go. This is a guy born son of immigrants in New York City, raised in Harlem in the South Bronx, graduated from City College in New York. And he rose to the highest ranks, not only in the military, but also in, in areas of foreign policy and statecraft. This is a guy, and we talk about it, who had teachers who looked at this African-American kid and said, you can do anything. 
yeah, you can do anything because you live in America. So General Powell's parents came here, emigrated legally from Jamaica, the island of Jamaica. He was raised in very tough neighborhoods in New York City, and he rose to be um, a patriotic superstar in this country. He was born in the 1930s, all right? Raised in the 40s, came of age in the 50s. There were no civil rights laws then, okay? He did it. And much of his education was paid for by the taxpayers, even back then, City College of New York. Okay, so when Biden says that, does it ever occur to the president that he has branded his own country systemically racist? So how, can, how, does, that, how does it too square? Now, I'm not whitewashing the difficulties that African-Americans had in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. I, I would never do that. I'm a historian. I know what happened. I know exactly what happened. And I wrote about it in Killing Kennedy to a great extent. But I also know that in this country, you can achieve what General Powell achieved. Now, the key to General Powell's success was his parents, that they raised him in a traditional manner that honored education and hard work. And General Powell rose. And it wasn't easy for him. It was much harder for him than the white officers. It was. But the Bush family, the Republican Party embraced him. So where's the systemic racism here? Where's that factor here? So, you know, it occurred to me when I'm seeing Biden say this stuff after he's besmirched his entire country. And I'm going, you know, the historical record is going to show, Mr. President, that you really slandered the United States of America. And that's what he did. All right. So uh, one more thing about uh, Mr. Biden before we get to our uh, guest who's been waiting patiently. Um, so this comes from the Energy Information Administration. I didn't even know that existed, but it does. It says that all of us are going to pay about 50% more to heat our homes this winter. 50% is a big nut for working Americans, for anybody. 50% more. You're already paying more for gas. But now to heat your home, you're going to pay a lot more. Um, and it's estimated that 50% of the American population, that's about uh, 175 million people, have to use heat to live. Now, this is going to come right back to Joe Biden. As the gas prices are, as the supply chain is, all of that is a perfect storm. You had the border in Afghanistan and you have absolute catastrophe in the minds of the public. So joining us now is Mark Penn. He's the chairman of Stagwell Inc. It's a global marketing and communications group. He is a political expert. He polls sometimes. He knows everything. He was a pollster under Bill Clinton, the president, and he also uh, strategized with Hillary Clinton as she ran for president. So, Mr. Penn, am I, am I making any mistakes in how I positioned President Biden? Well, I mean, what's happened to President Biden is really uh, quite uh, surprising, uh, fast. I mean, I've never seen this kind of uh, dissent in the polls really as quickly in the last two to three months in which President Biden was as high as 62 percent. And now in, in our polls, the Harris polls, he's at 41, 42 percent. Uh, I think that's what you said Rasmussen was at, Quinnipiac 
was 38, a couple of others were 40, but in any event, once you're below 50, uh, once you're close to 40, 40 is the Democratic base. So it's very hard for a Democratic president to get below that. Uh, and and this is a really created an incredible, I think, you know, crisis within the Biden administration. Now it's going to get worse because uh, the supply chain problems are going to lead to shortages around Christmas buying season. That's going to hurt the economy. And then everybody's paying more to heat their homes and fill their cars and to put food on the table. So I, I'm going to predict that Biden's going to be around 36 percent by the first of the year. Is that realistic? Um, I don't know if it's going to get worse. I think that, <clears throat> that the more it seeps in or solidifies, the harder it then becomes for the, for the president to bounce back. Because when you look at the number of issues, you know, you look at these approval ratings and oftentimes they're a combination of, do you like the person and do you like the person's policies? <clears throat> you know, Obama, they liked Obama, but not his policies. Or when I worked with Bill Clinton, at that point, actually, they liked a lot of the Bill Clinton's policies in the second term, not as much Bill Clinton. Here, they previously, Biden had been kind of well-liked, and people thought they liked his policies. Now, even his personal favorable is below 50. So he's not kind of the single liked person anymore. And also his job rating on some of these issues, the borders, in, the, in some of these polls in the 20s, crime, terrorism because of the resurgence of the Taliban in, in Afghanistan is quite negative. Uh, the virus has gone from approval in the 70s to below 50. Uh, and then the economy also has, has gone negative as fear of inflation now has gone from maybe, well, non-existent to almost 80%, saying that they're really afraid about the possible impact of inflation on them. Well, all right. There isn't any positive that I can see as far as Joe Biden is concerned right now. So that then becomes a huge problem for the Democratic Party in general. So you have Terry McAuliffe struggling in Virginia, and he may well lose the governorship there to the Republican. How do you see that race? Well, I think that uh, the polls in that race are anywhere between even, Trafalgar had one, and and Terry up by five. A 10-point swing is really a, a, a big swing. I mean, if you imagine, if there was a 10-point swing in the country in the congressional election, right? And of course, if you had 10 points in Virginia, that would be quite a swing. Uh, that would just, that would be like 70 seats. That would be an enormous uh, sea change. Um, uh, generally, elections get closer you know, as they as they get as they get you know hard fought, uh, and as you get to the end. So uh, look, I think that the Terry's still favored. I'd sort of fair, favor Terry sixty forty. Uh, I still think there's some campaign left. I think obviously this whole debate about whether or not whether or not uh, parents should have a role in a kid's education. I think the the Republican young kid was certainly winning that debate because Terry put on a a spot now coming back and saying, no, 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 I'm all for parental involvement. I was a parent myself. Uh, and that's obviously not what he was saying for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, so look, I still give it to Terry 60-40 because 10 points is, is a huge swing. E even if there's a five-point swing, 
that would that would certainly indicate an enormous shift in the country. I think there has been an enormous shift in the country, frankly. The, these polls are about, you know, you, when somebody goes from 60 to, you know, the, the President Biden was at 62 with even independence and is now at 32 with independence, that, that is as big a shift as I've ever seen. Well, I think you're wrong about uh, McAuliffe. I think he's going to lose. And I think the parent thing is what's going to do it. Because the independent voters in Virginia, they lean left, particularly in the northern precincts, as you know. Um, however, once you get into, hey, you better shut up if you're a parent and let the schools do what they want. And this huge scandal about this man uh, whose daughter, 13-year-old daughter, was raped in a Loudoun County school. Believe me, that's going to be a factor in the vote. And we're going to do we're doing an investigation now. We will have that for everyone on Thursday, uh, because I'm taking my time with this investigation. This is bad. It's bad. And uh, Youngkin is going to use that um, to really batter not only McCullough, but the whole Democratic apparatus in Virginia. And I think that's going to overwhelm him. Last one on this, and then I got another national question for you. Yeah, no, I, look, I, <clears throat> I'm not going to say you're, you're wrong. I'm saying our evidence is now between between zero and five, right? If you treat Kerry as an incumbent, incumbents generally need to poll 50% in order to be assured of winning. Usually the, the balance against an incumbent uh, go, goes against them. So I, I think, uh, but I don't think it's locked in. You know, I, I just have to look at the polls and I'd say right now we're between zero and five. All right, if you get any new um, information, let us know because we like to use your polling. It's, it's fairly accurate. Um, finally, I want to talk about the uh, Trump factor in the sense that when the Democrats find themselves in the trouble that they're in, their fallback position is, well, we're better than Trump. So no matter how we screw up, he was worse. And you saw that with the vicious soundbite I ran in uh, with Meacham and Colin Powell. So is that going to work? in the midterm elections a year from now is we hate Trump so much that you got to vote for us. Is that going to work or will that dissipate? Well, part of that depends upon Trump and part of that also depends upon Virginia. I mean, Kerry's rolled out the Trump thing too. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the more local an election is, the less effective talking about someone who isn't president now uh, you know, could possibly be in a campaign. I used to always advise people either, you know, stop talking about Clinton or stop talking about Bush or stop talking about the past when voters are really fixated on the future. I think that it's it's used, however, as a turnout device. I think that the Democratic electorate is somewhat depressed in turnout. And so that's where I think this, this Trump argument plays. Now, what's going to happen in the midterms? That also depends on Trump. I mean, it seems to me that, that Facebook and Twitter may have done Trump a favor because the more he's off Twitter and Facebook, actually his ratings are higher than I've ever seen them. Even his personal rating now is up to 48%. Typically it was it was 42%. Uh, so, you know, less Trump actually may be doing him uh, maybe more Trump. Uh, but I, I think, look, if Trump uh, plays a major factor in these races, then he will be, you know, a factor in the outcome. But but really, it's about here and now. And the here and now is Biden. And Biden has to do something to get his numbers up. That's going to be the major factor in the midterms. Would you advise him to go on CNN because it's just a choir? No one will watch. 
his town hall on Thursday. Maybe we'll get a million and a half viewers, all of whom are in his his tent now. Would you advise him to do that or shouldn't he go out and try to persuade people who don't like him? Uh, look, I'd advise him to answer questions on, on a more regular basis. I think that people are are really, you know, he, he shut down any questions on Afghanistan, he had the border, on on any of the on, on any of the unpleasant topics, and and I don't think a president of the United States can operate that way for long. And I, and obviously, what they're looking for is the CNN thing as a way of oh well, let's go on a very friendly uh, situation, and then we'll we'll pretend that oh he really got asked you know, tough questions. And I don't know, you know, there'll be some heat on Anderson to actually ask some real questions here. No, they won't. I mean, they're they're done. I mean, their ratings are so bad. They're historically low. Uh, and there's no heat on him. It's just going to be a touchy-feely thing. Hey, Mark, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. We hope you check in from time to time with us. I think, I think you're one of the smartest guys on the political scene, and it's very kind of you to help us out. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The news networks, as I mentioned, are uh, in dire, dire trouble. The cable networks in particular. Um, The network news that comes on at 630 and across the board, they haven't declined so much, but it's all old people watching. And it's all rural people. Nobody on the coast in the cities watch them. Um, But there are enough people in the Midwest and the South, traditional people over the age of 60, 65, who sit there and they watch. So their, their numbers are low, but they're not a catastrophe, CBS Evening News bordering on a catastrophe. But all the cables uh, are just over the cliff. So here are the numbers. um, And uh, it is all CNN and MSNBC, all right, have dropped 50% year to year, 50%. They've lost half their audience. Fox News in the demographic. 25 to 54, this is where advertising dollars come. They've dropped 37%. So they're all losing money. Not losing money as far as they're not making a profit, but they were up here, okay, and now the money in the advertising is descending. So this is the lowest primetime cable news ratings. Primetime is 8 to 11 since 2016, five years. That's what's going on. All right, the LA Times is a, a liberal journal, a lot like the New York Times. Um, doesn't really care to cover the news. It wants to promote progressive policies. They have a columnist, uh, Jackie Calms, who editorialized in a shocking way. She basically said, don't cover Joe Biden's mistakes. Here's, here's what she wrote, quote, to the extent then that journalists and pundits focus critically on President Biden and Democrats and give short shrift to Republicans' obstructions as if the cancer of Trumpism was in remission, if not cured, that indeed distorts reality and deserves readers, listeners, and viewers. So according to her on the uh, op-ed page of the LA Times, you can't criticize Biden and the Democrats because of the evil Republicans. Now, who signed on to that? Because they, they tweet affirmations. Uh, Jane Mayer, New Yorker magazine, New York Times magazine writer, Nicole Hannah-Jones, uh, journalism professor Jay Rosen at NYU, CNN White House correspondent John Harwood signed on to that. You wonder why CNN's lost half its audience? There you go. And a bunch of others. Um, it is shocking. It's absolutely shocking. Um... Football, Washington State University, Nick Rolovich, 
head coach and four assistants are fired. Wouldn't get the vax. They're gone. All right. That was a pretty big program at Washington State out in Pullman. Uh, He's gone. Chicago. October 15th was the deadline for all police officers to get vaxxed. This is incredible. 4,000 Chicago cops have not gotten vaccinated. 35% of the force. Okay. So now, four days after the deadline, Mayor Lori Lightfoot doesn't know what to do. So she's saying it's an insurrection among Chicago police. But Chicago, as everybody knows, is murder USA. So what are you going to do? Fire 35% of the force? Mayor Lightfoot? What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know how this turns out. The cops, they're anti-vaxxers. They're not going to get vaxxed. If they were, they would have already done it, and they're not. Keep your eye on that story. In California, uh, Governor Newsom said all kids have to get vaxxed, mandate. All right, so now parents are mad, as I predicted, and some of them kept their kids home from school yesterday, October 18th. But we don't know how many, because the media in California isn't isn't covering it. It's unbelievable. So we, I don't know if this was big, if it would, nobody did it. I, I don't know. We'll watch it. All right. Now, here is an uh, amazing story that's been going on for a long time. I knew it, but the documentation now. So this is really good reporting by the New York Post. Put the front page up. Um, in the middle of the night in Westchester County Airport, which is private, the federal government is flying migrants to the airport 4 a.m., 3 a.m., 2 a.m., and they're getting off plane, they get onto buses, and they drive them places. One of the places is right near my house on Long Island, okay? And they dump them there, and then people can pick them up, or they can make arrangements, or I don't know what. So this is going on all over the country, not just here in New York. In the middle of the night, flights come from Texas, primarily Texas, because there are hundreds of thousands of migrants, and I don't know what to do with them. And they go to certain places in the uh, United States. The plane that brought the migrants to Westchester first went to Jacksonville, Florida, and unloaded a bunch of migrants there. So the migrants tell the federal authorities, the people who come in here illegally, I have a cousin here, I have an uncle there, I want to go here, I want to go there. And, and they're taught to do that. So the, the coyotes and the smugglers say, look, when you, the Border Patrol asks you, you tell them you want to go wherever you want to go. And tell them you have an uncle. Now, the federal government doesn't track them. Just puts them on a plane, taxpayer expense, private plane, and dumps them in the middle of the night. Why do you think they do it in the middle of the night? Wouldn't it be easier for the migrants to come in at 10 a.m.? All right, or 4 p.m.? Why do you think they do it in the middle of the night? This is our government. This is the Biden administration. It's shocking. It's just absolutely shocking. I mean... I've been on the air now for 27 minutes and 27 seconds. And everything I told you about the Biden administration in that period of time has been true. And much of it is shocking. <sighs> OK, now here's a very interesting story. So this is CNBC. Got to understand that CNBC is run by NBC News, which runs MSNBC. It's all big club. So CNBC puts out a headline that says the wealthiest 10% of Americans own a record 
89% of all stocks. And this is wealth inequality. That's what CNBC says. So I'm reading this and I'm going, are you kidding? So most Americans, I think it's 50%, don't save any money at all. 50% of Americans, for whatever reason, some of them can't. Some of them just don't think it's important to save. So half of the population doesn't save any money. I'd say another 30%, that brings us up to 80. They save money. They put it in their IRAs and their, uh, you know, college funds, and, and they invest in stocks. CNBC doesn't count that. This is individual stocks. So most people have funds, and they understand the only way to grow money is to invest in stocks or bonds or commodities, gold and silver, whatever it may be. You can't just put it in your mattress because a dollar 10 years ago is going to be a dollar today. You have to invest it. But most people don't have enough discretionary income to buy individual stocks. And that's what this is all about. And that doesn't have anything to do with inequality. It doesn't have anything to do with it. It has to do with how much money you make, where you live. So if you live in San Francisco and New York or L.A., you're spending all your money on your house. How many children you have and what your education level is, whether you have the potential to make more money. If you're a high school grad or a dropout or something, you're not going to make any money. Unless you develop a skill like being a plumber or something like that. But if you're a ne'er-do-well, you're not going to make any money. So this doesn't have anything to do with inequality. This has to do with the reality of a capitalistic system. Those who make a lot of money have money, cash left over, in order to invest, which they do. Not only in a stock market, but they invest in real estate, whatever it may be. So they grow their fortune. That's what capitalism allows. So you can grow your economic circumstance. I'm the best example of this in the world. Okay, I came out of Levittown in a tiny, tiny house. And my parents didn't have any money. We had used cars. We ate hamburger helper and macaroni. And I mean, it was like nothing. No, wasn't, there weren't any luxury items. <laughs> On vacation, I went to Florida. My family took a bus not a plane. Okay. So then I figured it out. When I started, to, I got educated, first of all, and paid a lot of money of my own money to do that. And then I said, all right, I'm going to get into the television news industry. I'll earn a decent buck. And I put 10% aside every week. And so my reserves grew. And then I got a trusted advisor, stock advisor, a broker, and I started to dabble in investing in very conservative stocks that pay dividends. That's money coming to you. And over a 30-year period, I'm in good shape. Capitalism. It's not inequality. And the CNBC thing, it's just a bull. They're just lying to you. Portland, Oregon. Live there. Beautiful. Okay? Not anymore. So 100 people over the weekend wreaked havoc in downtown Portland, caused $500,000 worth of damage. 500000 This is small business. Smashing storefronts, lighting fires, everything. Cops let it happen. 
Let it happen. Didn't arrest anybody. Watched it. Why? Because the Portland Police Bureau says, oh, the state legislature forbids us from using pepper spray and rubber bullets to control crowds. There were only 100 of them. You could have arrested every single one, Portland Police Bureau. You stood by. Why? To send a message. The cops aren't sympathizing with the looters. They're sending a message. We're not going to do anything because you won't support us. So who suffers? The small business owners. Who in their right mind would go to Portland, Oregon? Anybody? And as I said, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. They call it the Rose City. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Awful. Awful. All right, you want to go to Vermont? Beautiful right now? Fall foliage? Okay, don't go to Burlington High School. Okay, Burlington is the biggest city in Vermont because a teacher, an English teacher, Andrew Lavalley, organized a drag queen halftime show at a football game, at a high school football game. Are you blanking kidding me? Really? Are you kidding me? This is what it's come to? This is a public school, and this is what we have at a halftime show? Now, the kids mocked it. I mean, I'm not saying the damage was done to children. This is just inappropriate. Burlington High School in Vermont. This day in history, uh, October 19, 1781, George Washington and the American Colonial Army defeated the British at Yorktown 240 years ago, which is why we have our freedom, why I'm talking to you right now. So Washington, a tremendous general, all right, cornered uh, the British. Lord Cornwallis was their top general at Yorktown. The French finally helped us out. They blockaded the James River so the British couldn't escape by water, and the British surrendered. And that was the war was over, okay? I've been to Yorktown, great place to go. Because you can see they have where the American lines were, where the British lines were, they have the cannon. And um, there were a lot of troops there. American and French, the combined had 19,000, British 9,000. Not a lot of casualties. 156 killed on the British side, 65 on the French side. Americans, only 23 colonial army members killed. So uh, 240 years ago today, we beat the British. And we are Americans because of that. 
The whole story is in my book, Killing England. If you are interested in how your freedom came about, this is the book for you. All right, mail segment coming up on Trump and a final thought on something that will help your life. Right back. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's go to the mail. Joseph Osborne, Malvern, New York. Mr. O'Reilly, with exuding confidence, you predicted that the Trump interview would be one of your best. I watched it. Congratulations, you did it. You tore the cover off the ball, sharp-witted, energetic discussion amongst two people with leadership skills. I appreciate that, Joseph, very much. Mark Glad Felter, Pensacola, Florida. Mr. O, the Trump interview was your best yet. I loved how you did not let him ramble. Nobody rambles with me. <laughs> John Wilson, the Philippines. Great interview with Trump. Can't wait to see what you will share with us concerning the Trump O'Reilly history tour. For premium members and concierge members on BillOReilly.com, we'll have clips, but nobody's going to get to see the whole thing because obviously you want to sell tickets to the Trump O'Reilly history tour and put it on up. This is where we're going to be. We got about 15,000 tickets left, uh, so there are some nice seats. Uh, Sunrise, that's Lauderdale, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Houston, and Dallas, Texas. I'm telling you, if you go to this show, makes great Christmas gifts, you will be happy. And remember, remember it the rest of your life. Kathleen uh, J. Coma, Coram, New York, out on Long Island. Bill, I thought your interview with President Trump was candid. It's not easy to interview Mr. Trump, that's for sure. Um, Dr. Lux, this is valuable information, but how are we going to stop it from happening again? What you say about people like Mark Zuckerberg is true and it needs to stop. You know, it's up to the states to stop this mail-in ballot con. That's what it's up to. Daniel Moti, Moto, Winoma, Minnesota. New sources say the Biden administration has released up to 110,000 illegal aliens into the USA, but over 1 million have given themselves up. Where are the others? I don't know. I don't know. We don't get that. We know they're flying them in, as I just reported, but there are many, many more than 100,000 in the country. Most of the 2 million, not one, two, that have come in this fiscal year are here somewhere. Sanford, General Powell is perhaps the greatest chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff our nation ever had. I was honored to have served under his leadership. That's good. Susan, the real Joe Biden, will you be recording this so we can watch it later? The real Joe Biden is our special. Put the uh, uh, thing on a screen. Thursday night 
It will go up at 7 p.m. only for premium and concierge members of BillOReilly.com. But if you can't watch, then you can see it anytime you want. So you can see the No Spin News anytime you want. You can see this special anytime you want. That is the value of becoming a premium member. John McGuire, Worcester, Massachusetts. Bill, I just became a premium member. It was worth it just to see your interview with Donald Trump. Okay, so uh, tomorrow we will have a follow-up to that interview, and I hope you join us. I forgot the word of the day last night. It was and is tonight, do not be a coxcomb. Love that word. C-O-X-C-O-M-B. Back with a final thought that will help your life in a moment. Okay, here is the final thought of the day. We're opening our Christmas store on BillOReilly.com today because of Pete Buttigieg, the great Buttigieg misjudgment, and the supply chain is falling apart. So people are going to have a hard time buying Christmas gifts, particularly good ones. So we have set up a number of things for you, and here they go. First up, we have a three-pack of God Bless America Christmas ornaments. They are very, very nice. It's a little gift, but it means a lot, and they'll look great on your tree. Then we have the Stand Up For Your Country merchandise. So the mugs are, are fabulous. I use mine every day. We got an apron there, kicking Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and we have stickers and signs and God bless America stuff and stand up for your country stuff, all of that. Okay. We also have the uh, books. So I got 10 killing books. And if you buy any of them, you get two bumper stickers. Uh, regret your 2000. Let me see the bumper sticker. I love this. Look at the face on the bird. Regret your 2000. You get those free with any purchase of any books. But here's the best, the absolute best. You ready for the best? And we're doing this for you because we're losing money. Okay, bumper sticker goes. Listen to this. This is called the Christmas Bundle. If you buy a premium or concierge member gift certificate, and you could buy 10 of them, because believe me, if you give these things to people, they will love you. You get not only the gift certificate as a gift, but any O'Reilly book of your choice. Okay? Five, do you regret your vote yet stickers? plus a three-pack of the God God Bless America ornaments, okay? It's free. You get all that stuff free just for buying a premium or concierge member gift certificate. That's unbelievable. And finally, um, when you spend more than $100 in the BillOReilly.com Christmas store, you get this picture signed by me, hand signed. Who's that? That's Holly the Terror Dog, free. You spend more than 100 bucks, you get the text free. <laughs> Look at her. Now, Holly wants a cut of the action, by the way. She's not doing this gratis. So that is it, the Christmas story. I hope you help us out, help us out so we can help you out. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.